Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Welcome to the We the Youth podcast, podcast by the youth for the youth. And this is the second season that we're dropping here. So I know we have a couple new faces with new hosts and whatnot. So we'll just let ourselves introduce ourselves. I'm the guest host. Aman over there is probably going to be your main host. So he's going to be reoccurring over and over on episodes. I'm just here for one. And then inshallah, you'll see a new face next time. But to introduce myself, my name is Yusuf Kahnoun. I am 16 years old and I live in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm a junior in high school right now, and I am the fourth child out of five. So that's basically who I am. I don't know if you want to take it away from there. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Zamur Kutkut. I am also from Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, I am a freshman in college at the University of Kentucky. I'm a pre-electrical engineering major. I am the oldest of three brothers. One is younger than me by two years. The other is younger than me by nine years. Uh, so he's like a whole different generation. Uh, let's see. I, I, I've been a, I've been going to Minas since I was in eighth grade in 2017. Um, and you know, I'd like to welcome you to our We the Youth podcast, a podcast by the youth for the youth. I'd like to introduce my co-host, uh, Maryam. Assalamualaikum. I'm Maryam. I'm 17 years old. I'm the current Irish coordinator for Minna. Um, I'm a senior in high school. I'm a senior in high school. I'm trying to remember everything I just said. I'm a senior in high school. I'm the middle child. I have one older brother, one younger brother. So you, you can imagine how that is. Uh, my brother is six years older than me and two years younger. Um, I've only been involved with Minna since 2020. It's been, I just feel like Vina has been in my life forever, though. Like, I can't imagine life without Vina. Um, I think, oh, I'm based on Atlanta, Georgia. I think that's pretty much it. I'm going to hand it over to Salwa. Assalamualaikum, guys. Uh, my name is Salwa Sayed. I am 18 years old. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. I am currently first year at the University of Cincinnati. I'm studying computer science. Um, I've been attending Mina Camp since 2016, um, so about seven years now, and I have one older sister, um, yeah, I, I have a lot of cousins that I'm really close to, <laughs> that's my fun fact. Um, so a lot of, like, what we wanted to do here today was, we wanted to give people, like, an inside journey into, like, the journey, inside look into the journey that a lot of Mina uh officers may take right because Salwa and Mariam are both you know officers on the executive committee of MINA but they didn't obviously start out that way they started out as you know just regular campers and it takes a lot to kind of get into like officership and kind of learning the ways of and kind of like learning the ways of how that works because it all starts from a point that everybody every other Muslim is going to start at so we really just wanted to bring them on here today to just ask them a few questions get to know that kind of story and um just their journey. So I don't know if you wanted to take it from there, um, just about that. So uh, the very first thing we wanted to introduce in this podcast, the very first point we wanted to hit was the importance of youth being involved in Islam. You know, um, many ahadith of the Rasul, one specifically talking about the uh, seven types of people who are shaded under the shade of Allah on the day where there is no shade uh is one of the one of those people is somebody who is uh you know a youth who grew up you know in in the worship of allah who 
you know, spends their time serving Islam and spends a lot of their time in the masjid too. Um, <clears throat> so uh, Mina is a big way, a big resource to try and get into that. No matter where you are in the country, you can find your uh, your way in, right? And I know people who have made it high up in the Mina chain of command can say that they have met and became friends with at least one person from every single state in this country, even beyond that, right? So uh, I, I wanted to start off this podcast by talking about, you know, the experience right after Mina. Because uh, at the beginning, you know, we're all scared, we're all nervous. I remember my first time, I think I was 12 or 13 years old, and my parents had signed me up three days before the beginning of the camp. It was scary, and I really, really did not want to go. It was just me and my brother that were going. It was awkward, and I didn't want to say no to my parents because I was kind of scared. But after, you know, right after the camp, as we were getting on the bus, you know, to head back to Louisville, where our parents would pick us up uh, and go home, you know, it's like these people around me are now some of my closest friends, and it's only been a week. Uh, To this day, I still keep in touch with a lot of them, and, you know, I'm forever grateful for that. So I wanted to, you know, ask ask a few other people, ask uh, people who are higher ranked than me in MINA, uh, about their experiences of their first Mina and how they felt after leaving. Yeah, I kind of had like a similar experience, whereas mine, I wasn't so much pushed by my parents as I was by my older siblings. Like, because my older siblings had been Mina, you know, all-stars, I guess you could say, since since before I was coming, they'd been going for a few years. So I was kind of pushed into it as well. And I wasn't really expecting much, but I honestly got a lot more out of it than I thought I would. Um and I think going off of that, it's kind of hard to like see what the difference camp makes. And I really had like, that's my biggest question like that I wanted to expand on. It's like, what difference does camp make for the campers themselves? I would directed that towards Sedwa and Marian. Um, I feel like camp is this really good starting point. You know, even at camp, you kind of don't, or we try to make sure that like, you don't know who the officers are and everyone just kind of there and having a good time together, learning about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala together, like, really just strengthening their gain and strengthening these relationships. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I feel like camp is just like this all in, like you're in camp and it's like, you're kind of disconnected from this outside world and you're just, you're at Mina, right? And then once like that ends, you, inshallah, you hopefully are continuing those relationships. You're continuing the practices that you learn and it just kind of goes from there. And then you come back to the next camp and it's, it's like a cycle. So if you want to add on to that. Yeah, um, I completely agree. I think that when we go to camp, whether we're campers, whether we're officers and even counselors, um, like Mariam said, we're kind of disconnected from the rest of the world. We're put in a bubble where, you know, we don't have our phones, so we're not contacting anyone else. Um, we're like really in the zone. Most of us are in a spiritual high. We're at the the best Muslims that we can be, right? That's what we strive to be. And that's what we strive to um, be at camp. Um, and obviously in our day-to-day lives. And I think that when officers or when campers or when counselors leave camp, they feel it in their hearts. They miss it so much. They miss that spiritual high. They miss praying every salah with everyone in prayer. They may, they miss doing God together as an entire camp with everyone. They miss the, those aspects of camp that you know, you don't really get on your day-to-day life when you're alone. And it pulls people back. And not only does it pull them back to camp but it also pulls them back to their dean to their dean um and encourages them to learn about their religion more um you know implement things that they learned at camp more so i think that you know coming to minicamp is a great way to 
not only like meet people, have fun, but also a great way to increase your deen and your spirituality. So kind of uh, the idea of this first episode is I wanted to interview or we wanted to interview the uh, some officers that are, you know, that have, you know, made made it in Mina, I guess. <laughs> so the very first question I wanted to ask is, well, is what was your journey in Mina? How did you start and how did you get to where you are now? I can start. Um, I think out of us two, I had more of the traditional or what most people seem to think journey in Mina. Um, so I attended my first camp, like I said earlier, in 2016. It was a spring camp, um, so it was just a weekend-long camp. Um, I had a great time, but I don't think I fully fell in love with Mina um, at that camp. I had a great time, nothing bad, um, but it was just it was just a weekend with my friends. Um, and then the next year, I went to a winter camp, um, which was a week long. And I always tell people that was the camp where I fell in love with Mina. Um, I had an amazing time. I bonded with um, the people, you know, the older girls who were at camp, the older girls who were officers, you know, were very inclusive. And I think that's what's huge about Mina is that no matter your age, no matter where you come from, everyone comes together, everyone bonds. And that's really what um, pulled me in and made me fall in love with Mina. You know, Mina provided me with a safe, a safe space for myself. I felt fully comfortable. I felt like I could be myself. Um, and I craved that environment after I left camp. Um, and even while I was at camp, I didn't want it to end. So like we still do interviews at camp. Um, I did an interview, not thinking I would get involved. Um, I was kind of pressured and kind of pressured into doing it, kind of not, kind of wanted to a mix. Um, I was like 13 years old, so I didn't really know what I wanted, but I decided to do an interview. Um, and then I was asked to be on the subcommittee for the finance chair of the spring camp of the following year. Um, um, so I guess finance is my roots. My real roots are finance. Um, but yeah, so I was asked to be on the finance subcommittee. Then the following year, I was asked to be on the Ansar subcommittee. And the following year, Ansar and PR subcommittee. So I was on a couple subcommittees for different camps that I attended. Um, I really enjoyed being on the subcommittee. I really enjoyed being on Ansar subcommittee um, in specific. I, I loved running the snack bar. I loved helping out. And just the idea of being able to help at, help out at, at camp and have a small impact on the lives of so many campers, whether it be like um, through snack bar or just through helping out, whatever it was, I really enjoyed that. Um, so um, I decided to apply as an officer the next year and alhamdulillah, I got the position to be RAC secretary. Um, I really enjoyed that position. So I decided to apply for RAC chair, really enjoyed that. So then I decided to apply for EC. And alhamdulillah, I currently serve as the EC president. Um, and I think one thing to know is I never really went in with the intention of getting an officer position. You know, it kind of just happened. Um, so I encourage anyone who's listening to just, you know, take that leap of faith, apply for a position. And even if you don't see yourself doing anything big, like whatever you want to do, do it. So, yeah, that's my journey. Yeah, just to like jump off of what Salva was saying, um, you guys should definitely apply for an officer position. Kind of how I came into MENA and found out about MENA was very untraditional um, because I found out about MENA during COVID where I think it was right after spring camp got canceled, you know, uh, during the March of 2020. Uh, it was a great time, you know. Um, but yeah, I found out about MENA and I, was, I literally wanted to Google because I was feeling sad and lonely at home. And I was like, Muslim youth groups and what pops up MENA. So, you know, like I go on there, there's like so many different um, 
you know, online initiatives going on. And I think the first one I went to was like hosted by the Mid-Atlantic REC and it was some kind of poetry workshop. And, you know, I was in my fields back then. It was a sad time. <laughs> so I, I hopped on that. And I, the girl that I met on that, she was, she lived in Colorado and we became like pen pals for a while. It was like through email, but it was basically being pen pals. And she like, I still talk to her like to this day. And I started to go to more of those like online events that were happening. And then I found out, hey, like who are these like kids that are like running these different events going online? Like at the end of it, they would always pitch mina.org slash get involved. You get, I'm pitching it right now to you also. Um, but yeah, so I checked it out and I found um, Ale. She is our, one of our amazing staff. She's our mina manager. And I just started to low-key harass her and was like, hey, can I be involved? Can I be involved? How can I be involved? I want to I be in minute leadership. And so after much, much knowing her, they were like, hey, um, you can help out. You can help out in PR. You can help out in finance. And um, my roots are PR. So I was like, let me help on this PR train. And I got on and it was a PR chair, um, like a co-PR chair kind of. It was a little bit of an odd situation, but I was there, I was co-PR chair. Um, and I met some amazing people again, like the relationships you make, even just the leadership skills I learned on how to work on a team and work with other people. Um, I was, It was really cool because I was meeting people who lived in like, like you said, Kentucky and... <laughs> And uh, yeah, Washington, whatever, Ohio. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, you know, officer application came out. I applied to be outreach chair, um, which was like old PR chair, new, new outreach chair. And then I applied to be outreach coordinator. And here I am. That was a lot. Um, kind of going off of that, obviously we had like two very different like mina stories of like how you got into officership and leadership. Obviously, Sudwas was a lot more long term, and Mariam's was a bit more like I just want to be involved, and kind of got in there. So a bit like going off of that, like how exactly did your experiences with mina before you became an officer, or whatever, like lend to your ability to become a leader to kind of you know communicate all of these different things or be able to execute your position in the way that in like the most effective way, I guess you could say. I think for me, um, seeing people who were in these positions before me really motivated me um, to want to be in those positions. You know, um, the camp committee, the REC, they were always people at camps who I looked up to, um, the way they ran camps, the way they were able to organize everything, you know, as youth, people who were my peers kind of were able to do this much. And that really encouraged me and motivated me to want to get into the positions that way they were. And give an impact on youth the same way that they did to me. So kind of passing that along, being able to facilitate a safe space for youth the way that I was given a safe space. Um, so that was the biggest thing that kind of pulled me into being an officer and encouraged me to want to um, gain a leadership position within MENA. Yeah, I think in a way, mine was also very similar because I, you know, going to these youth events like that were online and somehow they were still making like this like such a bad time in everyone's life such a good time and a time where I could still connect to you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
um especially it was super big in Ramadan too like I still had this like community online and I was just like wow like it's kids just like me like the same age as me who are doing this and I want to I want to be doing that too I want to help out I want to be making the impact that they're making so yeah also just looked up to everyone so I guess as an extension of that I think the obvious thing would be how important is it to like set your own example towards people who might be going through the same journey like after the fact I know all of all of us are you know like we've been going to Mina for a few years, everybody within this call has been, you know, within this podcast episode has been there for a decent period of time. How important is it to like set that example yourself or kind of like make that journey easier for other people? I think it's extremely important. Um, you know, like I said before, it's the older people at camp and the ones who are more experienced who pulled me in and encouraged me to be in these positions and, it's only fair, or only right, or it's our responsibility to do the same for incoming campers and to new youth. It's it's our responsibility to pull them in, you know, make them feel like they're at home when they're at minute camps, make them fall in love with the organization the same way that we were able to, um, in the same way that, you know, our older brothers and sisters at these camps did for us. It's it's now our turn to pass that along and do that for, you know, new youth and incoming campers. Um, so yeah, leading by example is the number one way to show others um, whatever message you're trying to put across. So I think it's our responsibilities as officers, as older campers, um, even younger campers, if you're experienced, it's it's our responsibility to set that example um, for our newbies. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's it's super important for us to be that role model and example and even what we tell our officers, especially what I'm telling like my outreach officers uh, during, you know, when we're training is be that friend at camp to be that older sister, that older brother, always invite other people into your circle, help out wherever you can. Um, and that goes for anyone, right? Um, try to be a friend, bring people into your circles, don't leave anyone out. If you, you know, if you can help with the dishes or something, do it, like just be 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 the person like who other people kind of want to be around and you can like other the young campers or new people can look up to and be like hey I want to be like them how can I be like them you know and that's something they're they're striving towards a little bit um, I would also love to hear from Amir and Yusuf like what's I know Yusuf you're an officer like what's what's your experience with that and Amir as a, as a camper all these years what's it been like for you guys I know you guys are the hosts don't take over but just, just curious to hear your experiences too. I think so, I'm gonna you go ahead first. <laughs> so for me, kind of, this is my first step in uh, leadership within Mina through the podcast. Uh, I, every time I've ever been, I've only ever been like a camper. Uh, I've never been like a part of the committees or any of that. But <clears throat> so I have this kind of uh, I don't want to say attraction towards like you know serving the. Uh, Sam, uh, I have, which kind of leads me to the next question, is uh, what what does Mina provide in terms of like leadership within the community? Uh, and here I am. And so it kind of goes both ways. Uh, whether you go in through Mina or some different organization, you're going to find yourself wanting to do more. And, you know, it's a sign from Allah that he, uh, you know, really, I guess, values you or I don't know if he, he loves you in in 
that being he's using you for his deen, right? It's a sign of his acceptance of your deeds and all that when he uses you to support his deen, whether that may be uh, just giving random acts of dawah through, throughout or, you know, serving the youth, like uh, like many people within MENA and other Islamic organization leaderships are. Yeah, I think my journey wasn't, I don't know if it was a journey because me coming into officership was kind of like a very, very sudden decision on my part where I'd been going to MENA for a while and I was, a lot of the decision-making was about like, you know, just I've been going to these things for a long time. Why not see what goes on behind the scenes when it comes to actually uh, helping out with, you know, what goes on there. Like I wanted to kind of see like what goes into this, even with, you know, having siblings who had been involved with the MENA before. Um, it was just like this, you know, kind of curiosity as to like what's going to happen with this journey like how did it all start out and then alhamdulillah once i kind of got into that and started entering into officership and learning how like how it all works i began to gain like this greater appreciation for what mina does and kind of this passion to do the same to provide that kind of example and to try and see like you know how i could apply the same things i've learned from my own from mina to my own life and that's kind of like what i want to pose to maryam and Sarwa right now where what exactly is like, obviously in a daily life, it's a very different experience from Mina because you're not in that spiritual high, that set apart, you know, zone where you can just be around Muslims and you don't really have to, you know, contemplate too hard about all those decisions you're making. Like, how does Mina assist with how you comport yourself in your daily life? Finding the words is hard right now. <laughs> I think it's about taking like the the small things you learn at Mina, whether that's like reading Athar after prayer, whether it's doing your sunnah after prayer, um, doing, like, keeping those small habits and keeping them up after camp. And I always, um, I think we just, like, had a conversation about this in my department call, like, how do we keep these things going after camp? Because, like you said, like, you're on this minute high, you want to do everything right after camp. But uh, honestly, that's really hard to sustain, like, for, like, a, initially, like, like, if before camp you're not doing that much and then you want to do everything, like, I, I think that is pretty hard to sustain. So like doing it into like almost increasing in small increments, like building up. So like, you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to do my, let's just say you were just doing like five prayers before, um, before you came to camp and now you want to start adding sunnah. So um, maybe just doing it for like um, Fajr and Dhuhr, you know? So kind of like building it up. Um, I would say like, that's the biggest thing. It's slowly building up in small increments and adding those small habits to your daily life is so super huge and it's been super big for me. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that one um, amazing thing that Minna provides us with is friends who are going through very similar things that we are. Um, and those friends can hold you accountable, keep you in check if you want to set goals together. Um, I have people... My best friends are from MENA camps and MENA events, and um, they are the ones who, you know, I message and be like, okay, listen, like, I have this goal. Can you please, like, make sure that I'm consistent, make sure that I'm actually going through with it? Um, someone who understands and who's willing to um, keep me in check and hold me accountable. Um, as for, I think you asked about, like, the leadership aspect and how being in these positions has 
um, allowed us to, you know, be grounded in our faith, which is actually part of our vision statement, Muslim youth grounded in faith. And I think that being an officer, um, you always remember that, you know, we're in these positions, we have an amana, we have a responsibility to, you know, be the best Muslims that we can be. And that's always at the back of our minds, making sure that all of our actions, whether in Mena or not, are a good reflection of Mena and a good reflection of our of our religion. And I think that being in these positions has really allowed me to always come back to my religion to think twice before I do anything. Um, yeah, so I think that just being in these positions alone and just being a part of Mena in itself has been a great way to ground me and like hold me accountable and make sure that I'm being the best Muslim that I can be. Yeah, I just want to add one more thing to what Solo was saying. I think this is probably, it's such a small thing, but a very big thing that I've learned. Um, one of the first things I learned in minute leadership, it was, it's before every single, before every single call, we renew our intentions, which I know that may seem like the smallest thing ever, but I've started like implementing that into everything else I do in life. And we renew our intentions and make sure what the work that we're doing on those minute calls is for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that goes for anything in your life, right? Even if you're drinking some water, like I'm doing this for Allah. You know, if you're going out um, to school, I'm doing this for Allah. Whatever it may be, like it's such, and it it just keeps you conscious, right? It like increases your taqwa. And I think that's so, so huge. And again, it's super small, but like mental leadership has helped me like ground that in myself to always just, remain conscious and aware that of Allah and make sure that he is a part of my daily life and my routine and from the small things I do toward to the biggest going off of that like a lot of times when you come home and with a lot of the experience of many again it's like maintaining a sense of community with your minna friends like versus coming home right because a lot of times you go off to different states I know for some of us like myself and Amon we went to minna this summer we came back and we were in the same city and we were ended up seeing each other like pretty often at YM. Um, well, obviously that can be a bit different. So I, where I'm going at with this is, are the friendships you build at Minnell important to building those same skills within your daily life? Or is it like more of a solo type thing that you have to work on yourself? I think friends in Minnell are huge. Like I said earlier, like they're the ones who understand what you're going through, understand why you're striving to be better. You know, oftentimes a lot of the youth who are coming to our camps um, are coming from communities that that might lack Muslim youth groups, Muslim youth, or might not have a strong, um, you know, Muslim identity or whatever it may be. There isn't really people who they can fall back in, Muslim youth who they can fall back on um, in their communities, at homes, or wherever it may be. Um, so MENA provides them with that space and with those friends who understand what they're going through, you know, can be hard growing up in America and being a Muslim to find that balance and find people who you can relate to, people who are going through the same challenges as you, who are, but who are also striving to be the best Muslims that they can be. And, you know, it's really hard to do anything by yourself. Um, it's hard to hold yourself accountable. It's hard to, you know, keep yourself on the straight path, keep yourself in check, whatever it may be. So I encourage everyone, whether it be a friend from Minna or whether it be a friend from somewhere else to have someone, a buddy or of some sort who you can work on things together. You can work on yourself together. Um, but I think that friends, having good, having good friends plays a huge part in it. Um, you know, people say, that the people around you define who you are, the people that you choose to surround yourself with will inevitably make you the person that you are. So choosing good friends um, is is extremely, extremely important. And I think that Mina has been able to provide 
so many youth with that group of good friends. Yeah, I, again, I totally agree with what Stella was saying. Um, like the people you're friends with, they are a reflection of you. And a lot of times the same people are you like who you become. And I think, I don't know who said it, but it's like, you should always try to like be friends with people who are better than you in a sense. So you can, you know, you're, you're surrounded by that good community. And Minda has definitely given me, um, g- given me and surrounded me by that community where I'm confident in, you know, being a Muslim in this, in America. And I think that's so big being confident in your Muslim identity, even um, from something like wearing hijab to being like, you know, asking your teacher at like a public school, hey, can I go pray? Um, though, like things like that, it's just so huge, I think. I'm gonna, even my friends who are in like Minnesota or Missouri or um, like Selva, like Ohio or California, Puerto Rico, like these, like th- these are the people that I'm literally, like I'm talking to every single day, whether it be about my minna work or not my minna work. And they're the people who, again, keep me grounded in um, my goals and what I want to do and who I'm trying to be like as a person. So I think to your question, um, your friends are obviously like the people, the friends that you make in Minna, obviously they're also there for like a good time. But I think your Minna friends are also going to be there for the hard times and when you're struggling and when you need that support. Like, yeah, they're, some of those people are like my number one. So how about you guys? Yeah, a lot of the friendships I built with Minna, again, I'm in a luckier position I feel because there's a lot of people from Lexington within my community who end up going to Minna so I've had both like friendships I built in high school and childhood friends go to Minna and I've been able to you know have experiences with them there come home and like see the exact same people and which that actually is like a pretty big help just like seeing the same people consistently over and over but in terms of like the friendships I've built with people who don't necessarily live in my state like a lot of people scattered throughout Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, other people within the region, but, you know, people you're not going to see regularly. A lot of those, it's like, it's those friendships where you can almost leave them for a time. When you meet up with each other, you can pick up right where you left off and you can immediately like jump back into it. I know, like, I know that when I returned like to convention, I saw a lot of people who I hadn't seen in a long time. It would have been a couple months since I'd seen most of my friends there. And it was almost like it had been just like, a few hours or a day since we changed each other because we were able to pick it up so quick we had this like common camaraderie that we are we had a common camaraderie and we were just able to fall back on that really well and i'm not sure if like i'm gonna have the exact same experience or not but just being able to meet up with those friends and being able to pick it up that quickly helps a lot with how you're able to focus on your dean communicate through those things and just kind of find that support that you need in order to support yourself as a muslim in your daily life Um, so we don't have too much more to cover. I feel like one of the last questions I feel like are really important to hit is like the kind of people that Minna can put you in contact with, because it's not always just, you know, Muslims your age, though that is what we consider the biggest benefit, but it's also speakers, people who come to camp, supporting staff, people like Brother Fiaz, for example, who once you get involved with Minna, you'll hear his name pretty often. And when you see him, you'll immediately know why he's so distinctive. He's a great guy. And you know, he has a lot of very unique and wonderful qualities, alhamdulillah. But, like, based on, like, those connections to speakers, adults who are more, like, well-versed in Islam, who have been through a lot of those different experiences, what exactly has that provided you that 
might be a bit different from the other experiences that Mina gives. Yeah, I think the adults are honestly, they're as important as the youth that we have. Like my my advisors, they they hold me accountable in terms of things I'm um like if I'm fasting, we'll like me and Ada will like fast together or something like that. And they'll like Shayan, um, he'll like help me with my college applications. Um, so they just like like the support also just goes outside of your middle work. And if I'm if I'm struggling with something in my personal life, like they're always there to help me. Like I'll text them and they're there, you know. Um, like you said, and that like they're so knowledge, they're just such knowledgeable people, mashallah. Like I have a question, um, you know, about Islam or something that I was reading, and you know, they a lot of times they know the answer to my question, or if they don't know the answer, they can like quickly find it out because again, there are so many resources that we have. And also just a big part of like my position specifically being on the, being the Irish coordinator, I've gotten to meet with like all these like muftis and these speakers and like these like presidents of these organizations who like I've learned not just things about my theme, but also just things about like business and um, how to, you know, how to talk to professionals. Like these are adult professionals of these big organizations um, and working with those people has just taught me so much about like the business world and how like adults operate. So yeah, there's, there's so many different things and I'm sure so I can, can add on to that. Yeah, absolutely. Mayim kind of touched on the staff support and the adult support we have internally, um, but also being in MENA leadership and, you know, being involved with MENA and even just attending MENA events um, allows you to have access to ask questions to speakers who a lot of people don't have access to or a lot of people wish that they would you know I've been able to you know meet with different speakers from across the country and ask them questions that I might have about my dean um, get advice from them you know at our officer retreats um, we have we have speakers come and speak to our youth um, a lot smaller of a group than it would be at camp or any other lecture you might attend so you know you really get that personal experience with these speakers you're able to learn from some of the most knowledgeable 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 people um, in the country and the world so it gives us a, a very um, unique and unique opportunity that you know we're very 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 blessed to have alhamdulillah so that's a huge benefit um, of you know being involved in being able to have access to all of these resources. I feel like that's definitely one of the biggest things that I like to latch onto when it comes to like figuring out like, what did I take away from it? It's always like those experiences with speakers, especially in discussion circles. I don't know if you guys had the exact same experience, but like in like open space discussions, like whatever happens in that circle, whatever said in that circle doesn't leave that circle. Those kind of discussions where you can be free with asking certain questions and getting answers from speakers, I feel are the most impactful. I don't know if you guys' experiences reflected that specifically, but that was honestly one of my biggest takeaways from camp. Like consistently just having those discussions with speakers and seeing how they weighed on certain issues that confronted the youth. Yeah, I know at at the at our last winter camp, um, I was at South, South Atlantic, and we had speakers that were there on site the entire week, which was such an amazing resource to have. I remember not just myself, but many other campers, they'd go during those um, office hours. And just like you said, Yusuf, like just talk to the speakers on um, different like issues um, that they were dealing with or different, um, what's the word, like often common like discussion points in Islam 
especially with our past campaign theme, which is proof of the truth. There was a lot of questions that came up and being able to have that like open dialogue um, and have that just personal conversation was super huge. I know not just for myself, but for so many campaigns that were there. Yeah, I feel like that's generally like one of the biggest things that people always point to. It's like, yeah, that speaker interaction was one of the best things about camp. I kind of wanted to like, one of the last few things I wanted to get is like probably like your biggest like specific experience, like not even like most impactful or anything like that. Like one of your most fun experiences from camp that you can share because those like camp has some wild, not wild, wild isn't the right word. What should I say? Camp has some interesting experience. That sounds even worse. I'll just go with wild, wild experiences that camp has some wild experiences that we can always like look back on. I wonder like, what is your most memorable that you had with your fellow campers that you um, one of the most memorable experiences that you had with your fellow campers to save my life today. Wow, this is a loaded question. Picking one moment. Yeah. It's tough. Are we allowed to use names? Switch, switch out uh, names for... To... I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no. Let's just say no. Okay, no names. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. <clears throat> so one experience that I remember to this day that somebody who's a part of this experience weirdly does not remember uh we were doing we were doing our reflections in our cabin uh pretty much at the end of the day you know we got in our cabin we talked about you know some of the lecture talks some of the takeaways that we had from this and we were going into deep conversations so one person in our cabin this man he, he talks he likes to talk so he's going on and on and we're going deeper and deeper and we're going later into the night at this point it's around like 11 40 p.m uh, so a few people are already getting up, getting ready to go to sleep. One person's already knocked. He's he's on his bed. He's knocked. He's asleep. You know, we're talking, we're talking, going deeper later into the night. This guy he just gets up, looks at us, walks across the room, goes underneath the bunk that's across that's across the room from him, and goes back to sleep without saying a word. And we're all just staring at him like, what just happened? And we forget about it, right? We keep going. We keep talking. Five, ten minutes go by. And this man wakes up screaming. He's like, who moved me under the bed? Who did this? Who, who, who's responsible for this? We thought he was pranking us. So we're all laughing. We're all laughing at him. And this guy is dead serious. He's yelling. He's screaming, waiting for us to like, waiting for somebody to confess to what they did. And nobody said anything because he didn't know he got up and walked. Anyway, he screams. He just walks, goes back to sleep in his bed. He wakes up the next morning. We're like, bro, what were you thinking doing that? Were you trying to prank us or something? He's like, I don't, I don't remember that happening. And to this day, every time that story comes up, he's like, I, I have no memory of this. So that's just got to be one of my core memories from one of my first, either my first or second. Minute. Yeah, I've definitely had some experiences like that where it's just, you know, campers are having fun. Like, and the most, it's not even weird. It's just random things happen. I mean, obviously that is like, it's something you can always look back and laugh on, right? I know myself and my brother, we've both been to several minute camps and we looked back, especially at these last couple minute camps that we went to. There's so many things happened where we just kind of looked back and just couldn't stop laughing. Um, Do you remember I when guess, you stole a microwave? Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, that that's a story that can stay under wraps for now. We don't, we don't, need, to, we don't need to expand on that right now. But I was more aiming for settlement money. I'm like, what were your two, like, what were you guys' like major experiences? Like a fun one that you might remember from now that you can always look back and laugh on, maybe an impactful one, just where you going with that? 
There are a lot of moments, I think, that are, you know, core memories or things that I look back on, you know, when I think of Mina, I'm like, oh, I miss this moment. And I think that I can't think of anything specifically right now, but it's always in those moments where you're enjoying with the people that you just met or the people that you might know for years. Um, actually, I have one. I'll share it after this. But you are having fun with those people and you kind of like take a step back and you're like, wow, this is a moment I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. This is a moment that I'm definitely going to miss. And, you know, it kind of pushes you to cherish the time that you have with these people, especially because a lot of us are, you know, in long distance friendships. Um, so, you know, this is this might be the last time we see them. This might be the last time we see them for a long time. So it really is like cherish the time um, you have with them. And one of my core memories, I guess, um, from this past winter camp, um, I last minute ended up um, switching camps that I was going to due to some unforeseen circumstances. Um, so I was going to um, the North Central camp, which a lot of the people who I grew up going to camps with were at that camp. And, you know, none of them knew that I was coming because I was supposed to go to a different camp. And I was able to surprise them the first day of camp. I kind of just walked into the room and seeing like my friends' faces and the shock on their faces and being able to, you know, uh, surprise them and spend time with them. It's a moment I'll never forget and one that I will always cherish. Mariam, do you want to share maybe an impactful moment? Yeah. Um, well, I'll do fun. Um, this is really random. Again, I can't like I can't think of I feel like like Selva said there's so many memories that you know I've made at camp um, that it's just hard to pick one. But like one that really just really random that just comes to me is we were like I guess it was I don't know what we were doing, but we we're just like out. We were I mean, this is in Florida, so we were like out by like this random body of water, um, and we were all just like we were like, oh, let's like make a new chant. And so we're all there and we're like screaming at the top of our lungs, like some random minute chant we just made. That was based off of some like weird, like Instagram, like real sound, TikTok sound. It was really weird, but it was a good chant. And it was just like all of us like girls and we were just like yelling together and just like having good time. And like the wind was like really nice. And then it was like, the sun was setting. Um, but yeah, that was, it was just like a really good time. Like Iman, she's our um, program project manager person. She was like on this like stone and like, you know, like being the call out person for the, for the chant. Um, I don't know if that made any sense, but yeah, we were chanting and it was, it was really cool. It was really fun. So I want to hear your spiritual story. Impactful story, whatever it may be. Mine, um, kind of goes back it doesn't go back to a camp but it goes back to an SLS so um SLS is our summer leadership retreat summer leadership summit um with all of our officers our incoming and outgoing officers over the summer um that we hold you know with the intention of um training our officers and improving our spiritual professional um and everything and this was at my first SLS, which was my first in-person SLS. We had one virtually, my first in-person SLS, which was in 2021. And it was um, a talk that was given by one of the Miftah brothers. Um, and he gave a talk on death. And it was extremely, extremely impactful um, to me. And I think to a lot of others, you know, he 
kind of spoke from personal experience having a um, close family member who passed away unexpectedly and you know he shared some stories and he shared some reflections and it really got us all to think and to realize you know our time not to get you know real like this but our time could be any time you know we don't really know when we're going to go and it's important that we're ready to go um and we're in the best state of iman when we do and so you know it really hit me hard and i think that that lecture specifically and that SLS as a whole kind of changed the course of my life and it you know pushed me to be a better muslim pushed me to want to learn more about my religion to improve myself and to get closer to my um religion and get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that one was a was a huge moment in my life um all right so i'm going to cover my last two experiences then we'll cover one thing about the projects men is currently doing in the run off the episode so in those those two experiences I had, one was more fun, one was more impactful. So the impactful one was a bit similar to Sadwa's, I think, where it was at an SLS, the only one I've attended this past summer. And we were going to Juma in, I think, the Greater Mosque of Flint. And after Juma, we went to like the graveyard that they had laid out specifically for Muslims. And in that graveyard, we know we just kind of walked around there for a bit and it we just kind of walked around for a bit and we um, we just kind of like took it in, right? Because there were a lot of gravestones that were marked with people who were like, maybe like in their young 20s, teens, maybe late 20s. And there was, wasn't as many old people as you'd expect. There was a lot of young people. So it's really kind of like this wake up call that you can die at any time. That even though you're a young person with a future that should be full of a lot of different opportunities, that that will never come to pass. And then... I was given, you know, like a pretty serious talk about it and by Brother Fiaz, I believe, where he talked about how, like the inevitability of death and like how you're unable to predict it. And that kind of like reset my focus for a very long time as to how I should comport myself because, you know, you never know what can happen in your life that can throw everything out of whack, everything that you're familiar with and send it in a completely different direction. The more fun experience I had was actually at this past summer camp where it was, wasn't the last night of camp, but it was the last night for two of our campers because they were heading off to, I think, another camp, actually, because one of their siblings was there. So we were all like, we should do something fun for the last night. And initially, we thought of pranking this one other staff member on site. We thought of, I don't even know, it was spraying ketchup on him or something like that, something crazy. But we decided not to do that because we, I'm not going to lie, we kind of got scared of what he would do if he got mad at us. But we decided to instead go out and stargaze, right? It was a really clear night and, you know, there wasn't any clouds out. It was pretty nice temperature and everything. So we just thought, why not go out and stargaze? So we all loaded up into our counselor's car, took sleeping bags, whatever, went to the amphitheater at camp and just kind of laid down for two and a half hours and just watched the stars. And it was, even if it might sound boring, it honestly wasn't. It was like clear sky. We saw like at least five shooting stars. It was one of the most wonderful nights I've ever had at Mena. And that was like the most impactful thing for me. Just looking back on that, I can always, you know, say that we had one of the most fun experiences of my life, just sitting on the stone concrete, whatever floor of an amphitheater and just watching the stars shift through the night sky. It was one of the most impactful experiences I've had. Mariam, if you want to like... <laughs> You know, okay. Did you want me to say something? Share something? 
I, I feel like she did, but then then she's not. So. Oh, um, never mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I feel like it would be. I would also good. like my story was like similar to yours. You know, the the graveyard story, like that. I remember, like that was my first time going to a graveyard, and like that experience it was like crazy like seeing like obviously I know you know like death is like inevitable and like all those facts and like you know you can die at any point like you don't know when death is happening but like I think seeing like you know like two the two month year old two month year old or like the 90 year old person the 10 year old like seeing those people and like those names and it just like I don't know it became so much more real um especially with brother Fez talk um and just put things into perspective, like, really, like, we we don't know when this life will, you know, be taken from us. And just, like, gave me this more consistent and constant motivation to, like, be the best, like, Muslim in person I can every day. Like, obviously, there are times where you are not and humans are imperfect. Um, we're just, we're made to be like that. But just, like, it just constantly like I want like I just this is like I'm sure this is all of our goals but try to be the best Muslim and so if we die at this point like we're content with where we are right um not to get all like philosophical or whatever but yeah I think that just became so much like a thought on my mind of like I want to be content with where I am in my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and where I am in my deen when I die and obviously we don't know when we're gonna die so yeah to just you know just made everything so much more real um in terms of life and, uh, it's just like a few of the experiences that I, mean, I can have i so many stories i probably sit here for hours and just talk about all of them especially at you know like kira or convention or any of the other other projects that minna puts forward they put a great variety i've had a lot of different experiences with those kind of going off of that i feel it's good to kind of set what minna is doing right now and like what options are available now so um, I know spring camps are available, but are coming up, I believe, March 17th or 19th that weekend. But what other opportunities are available for campers, people who are interested right now? Um, so we currently have our 2020, also I'm pausing myself, depending on when this episode goes out, whoever's editing this is going to have to cut out some of this if, that, if the deadlines have already passed. Disclaimer. All right, going back to it. Um, so we currently have our 2023 three 24 officer applications um, that are currently out right now. Um, the application closes on March 1st um, and we have a variety of positions open. We have six regions across the country uh, that fall under, you know, Mid-National. Um, we have the Pacific region, North Central, South Central, Midwest, Mid-Atlantic, and South Atlantic. Um, and each region has a regional executive committee, which consists of five, five people. Um, five positions. So more information on those specific positions are on the application, which you can find on our social medias, on our website, on our emails, um, in a lot of different areas. Um, and then we also have department officer positions. So um, out of our, all of our departments, I think four out of six of them have department positions. And so, for example, the marketing department has different positions. It's like social media lead, graphic design lead, graphic design lead, and a bunch more. Program department has the podcast podcast producer um uh, and a bunch of other positions so there are a variety of positions there is almost every person out there has a position that they're probably interested in you know we are not just one specific 
um, focused. We have a variety of different available. And then if you're interested in more of a short-term position, so obviously our officer positions are year long. If you're looking for something that's not a full year, um, we currently have convention committee applications open. Um, so convention is Labor Day weekend in Chicago and Minnow has its own youth track when we have a committee of youth who come together to plan that youth track. Um, so those applications are currently open as well and they close on the 26th of February. Um, and I think those are the two biggest um, applications that are out right now. Um, we also have summer camp, which will be happening in July slash August, um, if you're just interested in coming to camp as a camper. Um, and then if you're just, you know, interested in generating on our volunteer list, we have a volunteer general application on our website um, that we refer to anytime we need volunteers for different positions. Um, so if you're just interested in putting your name into our list, um, you can check that out. And that's on our website if you go to meta.org slash get involved. I think Silva pretty much covered it, but I urge, like, we, you've been hearing about all of our experiences as officers this entire episode, and I really urge you guys to get involved, whether it be through a camp subcommittee or a year-long officer position, just apply and see what happens, just give it a go and create that option for yourself, because I promise you, once you get involved in a leadership, like, it is for real life-changing also, this is another course. This is not a way to get involved, but again, any MENA event is amazing. Um, we also have ISRA um, classes, which are specific for girls, so sorry guys. But we have our amazing ISRA classes, which you can go to MENA.org slash ISRA, I-S-R-A-A, and um, register there. Yeah. To kind of add off on that, I'd encourage like also to look ahead towards, you know, coming summer programs that MENA does, especially Hirat. As an attendee of Hirat, obviously, um, as an attendee of Hirat, it was one of the most impactful experiences. It provides a bit of a deeper dive into, like, some of the Islamic sciences that form a lot of how we practice. And while it's not, it is a study course and it is a bit difficult um, to kind of get to terms with it because it's a very different environment than you might encounter at a minicamp it's honestly a very good opportunity and so when the application opens and i believe or when the um registration opens i believe in like a couple months um make sure to look at that opportunity and take it into account as well because it's one of the most impactful experiences you can have you get to spend three weeks just learning about your dean and islamic sciences and whatnot um with that being said i think that closes off our um episode inshallah i hope you enjoyed and gain something from this and shall I hope that this provides you some benefit moving forward we wanted to thank Selwa and Maryam for coming on to our on to today's episode of We the Youth make sure to be subscribed to get all the updates for all the for all of our newest episodes and tune in next time for more guests and conversations uh, as we discuss youth to discover the truth uh, <laughs> We the Youth is a production of MINA, the Muslim Youth of North, of North America, uh, which provides tons of resources for Muslims everywhere. Make sure to check us out at mina.org or on Instagram at MINA National. Uh, and uh, that's all we have for this episode. Uh, until yeah. next time, guys. Inshallah, before we like close out, it's a habit we learn at MINA and something we like to do with every meeting is close off with Surah Al-Asr. So inshallah, I'll recite that and then Finish this for real. Anyways, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Wal Asr